Mic check one two one two. Good. One two one two, and I'll put it in you. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> That's what she said. You ready? The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 136 of the podcast. We're coming off a huge weekend of UFC action, UFC 236 in Atlanta, Georgia. Before we get into that, let me introduce literally my right-hand man. For those of you not watching on YouTube, sitting directly to my right for a change, not all the way from frigid New Jersey, is Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how's your Florida vacation going so far, my man? Bill, I'm just happy to be out of the cold. I'm <laughs> done with it. I'm not letting you relax either. I'm putting you to work. We went to open mat yesterday before the fights. Today I got you laying turf. We're just taking a break right now to do this podcast. I'm pumping you full of booze. Uh, it, it's more of a retreat than a vacation <laughs> for you. Yeah, Bill, I needed it. I was getting lazy with the mat work, so... This is getting back to basics. I feel like I'm Rocky training in Russia right now, <laughs> except it's a lot nicer out, and there's a lot more bugs. Fuck yeah. <laughs> well, let's kick things off right. So you owe me a debt, Jeff, because you and I made a bet last week. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, shame on you, but I'll fill you in anyway because I'm a nice guy like that. So Jeff and I made a little wager on the main event of UFC 236. I picked Dustin Poirier, though I was very much on the fence. I was just leaning a little bit more towards Dustin. Jeff here chose Max Holloway, and we said we would do a shot bet. It was such a fucking incredible fight, Jeff. I'm going to do the shot with you, even though you paid your debt last night, but the listeners don't know that. So (laughs) we got to do it live on the air because that's the kind of show this is. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, brother. All right. We went with a little... uh, Good old Jim Beam there. So um, while I'm shaking off the burn as it's, as it's creeping down <laughs> my I'm chest. To do. That's why I'm letting you keep talking. <laughs> well, we're fucking professionals, Jeff. This is, you know, this is par for the course. We got a, we got a fresh bottle to crack open at some point here, too. We got a bottle of Stag Junior Bourbon, which I'm really excited for. But let's get into some MMA talk before we crack that bad boy because we want to get the good stuff out of the way before we start slurring our words and and uh you know whatever other silliness happens along the way so the main event ufc 236 first of all as a whole this card was fucking phenomenal i mean we we started with the with the early prelims i had the projector going outside we're sipping some drinks we're smoking cigars we're rooting for our boy matt steamroller frivola in the prelims let's start at the top and work our way down though jeff um the main event, you can't ask for a better main event than this. I mean, two guys who are so game, so dog-fucking-tough, just throwing down. The pace these guys fought at, I'm talking, of course, about lightweights Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway. The pace that they fought at for 25 minutes is unfucking real And if you told me the way Dustin Poirier would win would be by out-voluming Max Holloway, I would have told you you were fucking crazy because everybody said the volume of Max Holloway would be too much for Dustin Poirier. And even myself, I, you know, you were there. I picked Dustin Poirier on the, on the podcast last week. I thought the way he would win would be pressure, clinch, dirty boxing, maybe a couple of takedowns. Um, I didn't, I didn't think he would be able to submit Max again, but you know, I thought he would control the ground game. I did not see him winning the way that he did so just all right clean slate i'll turn it over to you jeff give me your thoughts on this main event here yeah bill dustin poirier went in there and he was just not gonna lose man um excuse me max holloway 
you know, doing his usual thing, moving around really well. But it felt like Dustin Poirier was just better at everything. Um, in that first round, Dustin Poirier just unloading. It looked like he caught Holloway with a, a couple really hard shots. Mm-hmm. And, excuse me, and... At one point, it looked like he was going to tire himself out a little bit. Yeah. Because he had Holloway hurt. You can't blame him for that. But he took the second round off a little bit, it seemed. And then after that, it was the Dustin Poirier show again. Yeah, so he smelled blood in the water right off the bat. I think the plan may have been to try and knock him out in the first round because it looked like Poirier was emptying the tank early in that first round. And then about four minutes into that first round he started to pump the brakes a little bit i think he realized like okay this guy is gonna be here in front of me for the next four rounds too uh i better prepare for that now and it was a good thing he did that because there was a couple of times in the fight you know he even said himself in the third round he was looking for a way out you know he holloway hit him with some hard shots and he said he didn't know if he's gonna be able to recover he hit him with some more hard shots it looked like the tide was changing but then poirier dug down deep like the fucking animal he is, and found a way to win. I thought it was a close fight. Now, if you look at their faces after the fact, it didn't look like a close fight. But, you know, Holloway definitely had his moments in this fight. I don't think either guy loses stock here because what you have in Max Holloway is a featherweight champion moving up 10 pounds to lightweight to fight a guy who submitted him in his first UFC fight. Granted, it was 18 fights ago or so for Max Holloway, and he's had a lot of experience between then. The losses stick with you more than the wins. I mean, that's just a fact. For anybody who's a competitor, you know this. Uh, you know, we've heard Kamaru Usman talk about this recently uh, in, in excess. So the losses stick with you. I don't care what anybody says. They're both different fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he lost to him, and he lost by submission. He tapped out. He, you know, he had to submit in that fight. So that's in his head. But he went 25 hard minutes with Poirier. Um, so even though he went into this fight uh, as a favorite, Max Holloway, and he came out you know, on, on the losing end of it, his stock doesn't go down here at, at all. I, I mean, I can't wait to see Max Holloway recover and get back in there. I know you can't. Um, so I guess what's next is Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier sometime in the fall. And what's next for Max Holloway? Man, I really like him at lightweight. I mean, he came up short in this interim title fight with Poirier, but, you know, I've said it before, Poirier, a a patient Poirier, is probably the best striker in that division. Uh, And and I will stand by that statement, and I'll debate anybody on that statement. Uh, and, and you saw little glimpses of him getting impatient and getting into some brawls with Holloway, but he didn't feed into it too much to, to the point where it hindered his his performance. So what are you looking forward to what's next for Max Holloway? Where do you want to see him? Or are you looking more forward to Dustin Poirier and Khabib? Yeah, honestly, Bill, I'd love to see Max Holloway stay at 155. Uh, I think the weight cut's a little easier for him. He was looking good. Um, you know, and even in the later rounds, I mean, he, it looked like he had a broken nose at one point. His yeah. face was just covered in blood. His nose was squished in, and he was still coming at Poirier. So credit to both of these guys, man. They're both absolute warriors. And Dustin Poirier, like you said, nobody loses stock here. Both of these mm-hmm. guys put on a great performance. <clears throat> and I really want to see Poirier against Khabib. But I think, you know, later on, uh, as we approach that fight, we can talk a little bit more about it. But, dude, Dustin Poirier... What you mentioned about him being able to change his strategy mid-fight and just realizing, I can't put this guy away uh-huh. in the beginning of the fight. This is going to be a grind. I think that shows a level of maturity and just really, really good fighter intelligence mm-hmm. on Poirier's part. Um, we talk about how these guys, you know, some of them are, are college graduates mm-hmm. and all that, but that that's a different type of intelligence. And I think Poirier displayed that yesterday. I think that rounds one, four, and five were just absolutely masterclass by him. Because mm-hmm. in those rounds, he was picking Holloway apart. I have never seen Holloway just dismantled like that. Yeah, and it's crazy because you look at Holloway's last performance where he was an underdog as the champion against Brian Ortega, and he made Brian Ortega look like he had no business being in there with him. He looked like a fucking world beater, which is why he came in as the favorite against a guy who had beaten him several years ago, and Portier did what he did to him. So 
it's crazy the development both of these fighters have made and you know where they are as world-class athletes and Poirier just displayed that extra little bit of thing that champions are made out of you know that extra ability to dig down deep when you feel like quitting when you feel like giving up and just having that sixth gear to click into and having those reserves that most of us can't even dream of having i mean you know you and i talk about this sport all the time i mean we we train but not not to the extent that these guys do so you know what it's like when you're when you're in a tough role with like somebody tougher than you and you feel like ah you look at the clock and and maybe or, or a tough sparring session and you're just taking so many shots and you're like why am i doing this um that's the difference between the rest of us the guys who do this for a living and then the champions and dustin poirier in my mind proved that he's a champion uh with his ability to dig that deep uh against a guy who is relentless in max holloway and i mean he he gave him two of his only four losses in the ufc which is an incredible accomplishment can't say enough good things about Dustin Poirier and not only that he's not a guy that you expect to to pull these things off you don't expect him to knock out Eddie Alvarez you don't expect him to knock out Justin Gaethje you don't expect him to to throw more volume than Max Holloway but he does it he finds a way and uh you know that's what champions are made of so I'm really looking forward to what's next for both of these guys they're both class acts they're both they're both championship material uh, Max Holloway will bounce back from this. There's no doubt in my mind he could one day become a two division champion. I mean, he was calling out Daniel Cormier at the end of this <laughs> at the end of this yeah. fight. So, um, man, I, I, you can't ask for more out of a main event except for a co-main event that was just as, if not more, exciting. Jeff, yeah. Israel Adesanya and Kelvin Gastelum put on a performance. That blew us out of the water. I was fucking exhausted after watching this fight. I was so up and down and adrenaline dumps. And I wasn't even rooting for one guy over the other. I I had no dog in this race. I I just wanted to see how it would play out. And it was so back and forth and so fucking exciting. In the beginning, it looked like Kelvin Gastelum was, like, going to run away with it. But maybe Israel was just downloading... you know his patterns in that first round and then it looked like Adesanya was gonna you know maybe knock Gastelum out Gastelum comes back and they both had phenomenal head movement it was back and forth and back and forth and then that fifth round Adesanya just turned it up that little bit and almost put Gastelum away probably definitely scored a 10-8 round in that fifth round what a performance by both of these guys again two guys who lost no stock last night uh I I have never really had an opinion on Kelvin Gastelum before. Uh, you know, he was a take-it-or-leave-it kind of fighter for me. I can't wait to see him back in there. I, I think this was by far his most impressive performance uh, in his UFC career, and it came in a loss. Uh, and uh, obviously we saw the heart of Israel Adesanya as well. So I know I went on a little bit of a tangent there, Jeff. Give me your thoughts on this co-main event, my friend. Dude, I think that against anybody else – if Kelvin Gastelum fought the way he fought last night, he wins the championship. Mm-hmm. The only other man on earth who could have beaten him was Israel Adesanya with the way he fought, man. I've been a fan of Kelvin Gastelum since the Ultimate Fighter season that he was on, since he beat Uriah Hall. And I, I kind of expected to see that again. But, man, Israel Adesanya, dude, he just he kicked it like Dustin Poirier. Same thing. He kicked it into another gear in that fight. And that fit, I had it kind of... Uh, even at the end of the fourth round uh-huh. and then Israel Adesanya I don't know what his corner said to him but he went in there and just he looked like he was going in there for the first round the way he was moving mm-hmm. the way he was making Kelvin miss and something I want to point out is the leg kicks that Israel Adesanya used uh-huh. in the first two rounds I think those paid massive dividends at the end of that fight he do that Kelvin Gastelum's a durable guy and those leg kicks were really affecting his movement Mm-hmm. I think that part of the reason Kelvin Gastelum, part of the reason we didn't see more wrestling out of him was because of those leg kicks. I mean, he was even moving around 
um, once he was trying to get out of um, range and stuff, it looked like he was struggling a little bit. So I think those leg kicks were a really, really nice strategy from Israel Adesanya. And then in that last round, dude, he just put it all together. He was setting up things and just backing Kelvin up into a corner. I thought he did a really good job of mm -hmm. using his reach, which I felt like he wasn't doing in the middle rounds of this fight. Probably rounds one and maybe three. He wasn't using his reach as much. But in that last round, he like everything just came together. Yeah. And he just put on a really good display in that last round. Yeah, all great points by you, Jeff. And it, for me, even going into the main event, the volume felt like it was turned down. Like, we were watching this outside on the projector. I felt like the crickets came out, like, right after this fight. And it was hard for me to even get into the main event because I just had such a dump after such a phenomenal performance by both of these guys. And then, you know, Holloway and Poirier brought me back to life, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, such an awesome performance. And I'll tell you what Adesanya's quarter might have told him going into that fifth round. They could have told him that he was losing the fight. Because I could see an argument where Gaslam was up three rounds to one going into that fifth round. Mm. And if that were the case, Adesanya came back and he did what he had to do, got that 10-8 round in the fifth. But if it were three to one Gaslam, that fight's a draw. And I wouldn't even be mad at that. That's the kind of fight where I'm like, I threw my hands up at the end and I'm like, the fuck it, they both win. They both win yeah. in my book. Um, you, you know, like I said, I... I've always been kind of take it or leave it with Gaslam. I can't wait to see him back in there. Uh, and I've never said that after any of his impressive victories. You know, there's always been some kind of some kind of thing. You know, he knocked out Michael Bisping, but he did it three weeks after Bisping had that fight with GSP, and he probably shouldn't have been in there. I don't know how he got cleared. And then, you know, there was always something with Gaslam. You know, he always won fights he wasn't really supposed to win. You never really saw this kind of performance out of him and it was just so impressive to me and the same with israel adesanya we've never really seen him be pressured or tested yeah. um you know the most pressure he's seen was probably from brad tavares and it wasn't a lot and in that fight we saw him you know susceptible to wrestling later in the fight and that was a three-round fight so you would think in a five-round fight against a wrestler of the caliber of kelvin gaslam he would have gotten taken down a little more he looked good on the ground he had that yeah. one triangle locked up at some point. Um, he, you know, he moved well. Uh, he sprawled well. And when he sprawled, he, you know, some rudimentary mistakes mm -hmm. there on top from that top turtle position. But, you know, for a guy who's a kickboxing phenom, you know, he, he showed some pretty sound grappling as well. Uh, any other thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I'd love to watch that one run back and, and have him do it again. But, yeah, dude, I think that both of these guys, especially, you know, I've been watching Kelvin Gashlam from The Ultimate Fighter mm -hmm. and just seeing that progression going from here to here and just from point A to point B. Same with Israel Adesanya, man. I, I If you had asked me today if they were to fight again, I'd probably still tell you that I think Kelvin Gashlam gets it because he's mm -hmm. a better grappler. But Adesanya just mixed it all together at the end of that fight, man. Yeah. Just, um, I and actually just checking my phone here to pull up the card. I think both of these fights got fight of the night, Bill. They did, yeah. So the main and co-main got fight of the night. There was no performance of the night bonus. So fifty grand to all four of these guys. Uh, I mean, fucking sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I definitely got my money's worth. So let's talk about that, Jeff. So for those of you who don't know. You know, whether you didn't catch this card or, you know, maybe you watched it by some illegal means, which we definitely don't condone on this podcast, but I'll tell you about it anyway. Um, so this was the first card where you are obligated to buy it through ESPN Plus. So you have to be a subscriber to the ESPN Plus platform to be able to purchase this pay-per-view for $65, whatever it is. So I went on through my computer. Like I said, I'm showing it on the projector in my backyard. I clicked buy now. Uh, the request couldn't go through. I got some kind of error message, which I screenshot, and I guess I'll share with the ESPN people so they can try and sort this out. Uh, try it two more times. Uh, buy now. Do you realize this is going to cost $65? Yes, I do. I want to buy this because I want to watch these fucking fights. And, you know, I was willing to lay that money out, Jeff. 
I had it in the bank account. I'm ready to turn it over to ESPN. Take my money. I want to see these fucking fights. And if I had paid the 60 bucks, I would have said, today I'll pay you $60 more for what you delivered in the product, in the, just in that co-main and main event alone. Didn't work. Tried it on my phone. Oh, you can't order it on your phone, even though that was one of the marketing points of ESPN+. Plus. So you can watch it anywhere. You can watch it on your phone. Well, no, you can't. So uh, another buddy who was over last night, Matt, he tried to order on his phone so we could project it onto the screen. Nope, couldn't order on his phone either. So we had to use other means, Jeff. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So we found a way to get the fights on. We did not pay for them. You know, I'll be very candid about that. But we wanted to. Tried. I tried to give you my money, ESPN. I was like, here, take my money. I want what you're offering. I want this product. I want to view it. I'm willing to give you the money for it. And you said, nah, we're good. So uh, I took that as, you know, go and find some other means to watch it. And that's what we had to do. And we found a, a very good stream, somebody who was able to purchase it and share it with the world so graciously. Um, yeah, thanks to that one guy who was able to buy it. Yeah, so <laughs> that one pay-per-view buy, I guess, is going to carry ESPN+. Plus. So the, the thing with this deal is... Um, so UFC turned over all rights to ESPN. So they don't they don't deal with any of the cable companies or anything like that. You, you know, they were out on the market. You know, Showtime could have picked it up, HBO, you know, a- anything. Um, they could have done it exclusively through Fight Pass if they so chose. But I think not a lot of people are going to subscribe to Fight Pass and then pay for the pay-per-view. So the five bucks a month for ESPN Plus and then ESPN pitched in this deal. And the, the thing about the deal is ESPN guaranteed them 150,000 pay-per-view buys. So even if the UFC sells 80,000 pay-per-views, ESPN will pay them out for 150,000 mm. every single time, which kind of screws guys who have leverage, like a Conor McGregor or, or guys who get pay, big pay-per-view numbers because now the UFC doesn't care. They're like, we're getting on average 150,000 buys uh, you know, we're getting paid out for that for the next four years or whatever it is. Uh, we don't have to negotiate with terrorists anymore. Uh, so depending on your perspective on who should have the leverage here, you know, the the big conglomerate or the, the independent contractor. Uh, uh, but, you know, a lot of people have their feelings about Connor and guys who do well enough to have that kind of leverage. So it uh, depends which side of the fence you fall on, whether this is a good or bad thing. But... Point being, fuck ESPN Plus this weekend because they couldn't deliver on something that was very simple. You know, they're charging $65 for a product and they couldn't deliver on it. So, uh, you know, we had to get it by other means. We tried. Um, any thoughts on the platform or did, did I did I present you with any new information there, Jeff? No, I think it's a lot of the same. You know, uh, I remember that first ESPN event. I remember all the issues with that. And just, I did the free trial for ESPN Plus, and I just don't, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it. Uh, I'll quote my buddy Steve Maraboli from the MMA and Beyond podcast. They're, they're channeling through ESPN minus right now. <laughs> That's funny. That was good. Um, so... I don't like to live in the negative, Jeff. So let's get back to the positive. And I want to pour one out, and we're going to skip around the card a little bit because the fight I was most stressed out about came in the main <laughs> event of the prelims on ESPN. My boy, Matt Steamroller Frivola, getting his first win in the UFC. Uh, it, it seems like he's been in the UFC forever at this point. He's been through some wars, but this is the first official victory. Of course, he had a win on the Contender Series. He had a little bit of a misstep in his UFC debut, and then he went to war with Lando Venata, the greatest fight of 2018, easily. I'll tell anyone who will listen, go back and watch Matt Frivola versus Lando Venata. It will be one of the best mixed martial arts contests you will ever see in your life. So Matt Frivola comes in against another Tuesday Night Contender Series winner in Jalen Turner, who was a knockout artist at 170 pounds, dropped down to 155 pounds, uh, knocked out his last opponent cold, and comes in against Matt Frivola looking huge in there. Six foot three at 155 pounds is insane. I mean, we saw Ovin St. Preux and Nikita Krylov last night 
at light heavyweight, and they're both 6'3". And they're filled out a little bit more than Jalen Turner, but not much. I mean, Jalen Turner was a big, long, rangy fighter in there against Matt Frivola, but, you know, Frivola did exactly what he needed to do and exactly what he said he was going to do right here on MMA on the Rocks, folks. If you tuned into episode 133, you heard the steamroller on here say, Jalen Turner wants to stand with me. I'm going to bring a complete mixed martial arts game to him. And that's what he did. Every time he hit a road bump, every time he hit a wall, he turned a corner and he figured out a a way to make it work. Most literally in his takedown attempts. So in the second round, he was going for a double leg and he's driving straight forward. And even Daniel Cormier, the champ, is saying he needs to cut that angle. In the third round, he came back. He cut that fucking angle. Jeff, he finished that same takedown. Uh, so, you know, every time he hit an obstacle in this fight, he figured out a way to make it work. He did have a little bit of a slip up in that second round where he was on his back. Uh, it might've looked like Jalen Turner was standing up cause he's so fucking tall. Uh, but he was on his knees and Frivola gave him a heel in the eyeball. Uh, I don't know how much that hindered Jalen Turner's performance, but Frivola coming away with the wind, man. And, uh, we were going nuts here in the backyard. So steamroller. I know you're listening, man. Uh, congratulations on that fucking W, and, and thanks for giving us all a heart attack back here in Florida. <laughs> we can't wait to have you back down here so we can celebrate with a drink. Jeff, give me your thoughts on Matt Steamroller Frivola over Jalen Turner last night. Yeah, congrats to Frivola. I mean, dude, he did not do much wrong. I mean, second round was a little tough, but everywhere he was looking really good. The striking, he was able to get inside Jalen Turner's and I thought he was going to have a lot of trouble with that because uh-huh. Jalen Turner, like you said, he's probably got about six or seven inches on Frivola. Yeah. I mean, and I even commented to you, Bill, that for that um, Turner looked like a middleweight mm-hmm. um, once they were in the octagon, <clears throat> excuse me, moving around each other. But, dude, Frivola just did such a good job of using his wrestling. And you could see, <clears throat> sorry, you could see that Jalen Turner was fading. <clears throat> sorry. Mm-hmm. Give me a sec here. It's all good. So you can see that Jalen Turner was fading a little bit. He did look tired. Frivola looked tired himself come that third round. But, you know, he dug deep too, just like Dustin Poirier did in that main event. Uh, did you have somewhere you were going with that, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's different, man. Um, you know, getting tired and being able to push through that. You know, I'm sure Matt Frivola has been working on his jiu-jitsu, his wrestling. So he, he may have looked tired, Bill, but I'm sure he hadn't hit that wall completely yeah yeah i'm sure he had uh, a couple extra gears to go and i can say that with confidence because i've seen him train so let's take a break in the action here jeff because sitting in front of us for those of you who've been watching on youtube you may have been wondering what this bottle is in front of us this glorious dark caramel gold uh and this is a very rare bottle of bourbon and this is stag jr and it comes out of Kentucky, out of the Buffalo Trace Distillery. That's where they're working this stuff out of. And for those of you who don't know, anything that comes out of Buffalo Trace, so Colonel Taylor, Eagle Rare, the the magical unicorn that is Blanton's, uh, you, you've heard me talk about all these bourbons countless times. It, it's hard to come by in Florida because they limit the allocations and there's all kinds of red tape, blah, blah, blah. You guys don't need to know about that, especially if you're fortunate enough to live somewhere where you can get this stuff regularly. So I came across this bottle of Stag Jr. at a liquor store, and I had to pick it up. And we, we're going to do a live tasting here. Let's hear that cork pop. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, what better way to uh, test out this bourbon than to celebrate the victory of Matt Steamrolla Frivola because when he was on the show, uh, he said he's found a new appreciation for old fashions, which, of course, is a famous whiskey cocktail. So we're going to do a live taste of this. We're going to slow sip some Stag Jr. from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. You guys see it's a very attractive bottle with some deer antlers on there. Of course, a deer, stag same thing anyway steamroller cheers to you my friend cheers to you frivola let's see how this tastes jeff okay it's got a little burn up front yeah but it mellows out after a sec it's not bad so it's an interesting burn because you get like 
you get some pepper kind of creeping across the top of your mouth. You getting that? Yeah, yeah. And also across your tongue. It smooths out. You can feel it smooth out, and it's like a piece of caramel melting on your tongue, and then it burns you again. Yeah. So it's kind of like you have a lot of different layers here. I'm going to cut this with a little bit of water. So yeah. just a couple of drops. Yeah, I can um, feel this going up into my sinuses. But it's clearing me out, Bill. My allergies have been bothering me. Um, uh, getting a little easier after this. I mean, my throat is not burning as much as probably Eric Anders' leg is. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling that sensation. It's kind of waking me up a little bit, which is good because we still have some turf to lay down after we do this. <laughs> <laughs> after we do this podcast. So, uh, yeah, verdict on Stag Jr. This stuff is fucking delicious. Um, it, so it's like putting a, putting like a, like an atomic fireball in your mouth and then it melts away and it's got that sweet center, but then it's got an afterburn to it too. Like an extra little surprise. Uh, yeah. this is really good shit. Um, I guess I can see why it's hard to come by cause you know, you don't get these kind of sensations from, uh, like a Jim beam that we took a shot of at the start of the show. So I can't guarantee the quality from here on out, folks, because, you know, the animal and I were knocking back a couple of beers while we were doing some yard work. We've had a shot. Now we're sipping on some bourbon. Uh, you know, we're getting loose here, but we still got some fight action to talk about. So let's move on down the card. So we got the next fight down was uh, light heavyweight action, Nikita Krylov and Ovin St. Pru. And right before this fight started, uh, somebody I, who was over last night asked me who I was leaning towards, and my response was simply that Ovin St. Prue is too hot and cold. Nikita Krylov, you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, he's going to be tough everywhere. He's going to be dangerous everywhere. Uh, but when he faces that elite competition that's always on, like a Jan Blachowicz, who submitted him in his last fight, uh, that's when he cripples. And I just didn't see Ovin St. Prue being able to give that kind of consistent pressure to Krylov, and that's pretty much what happened. So Krylov coming away with, with a pretty nasty rear naked choke victory where he put so much pressure with his hips down on Ovin St. Prue's back and then pulled the top part of his body up as he was cranking. I don't know that it was fully under his chin, Jeff, but it was enough to do the trick. Give me your thoughts on this uh, light heavyweight matchup here. Yeah, dude, it was really good for, <clears throat> excuse me, the time that it lasted. And Nikita Krylov, in addition to that, man, he must just have a tight squeeze because it didn't look like the rear naked choke was under the chin. And he might have just made OSP so uncomfortable, man. Um, just probably made it feel like he was going to break some of his teeth if he kept squeezing. Mm -hmm. And if you've never felt like that, go train jiu-jitsu. You'll, you'll see what I'm <laughs> talking about. But, um... Yeah, dude, and it's not like OSP started off bad. He started off pretty well. He was shooting for takedowns. Um, Nikita Krylov tried to lock up a guillotine on him, and OSP was setting up the, the Von Flu choke. And, you know, things were looking okay up until um, they stood up again, and Krylov took OSP down uh -huh. and was able to go around his back and stuff. So really good uh, fight from both of these guys for as long as it lasted. Yeah, for sure. And again, with going back to OSP, the thing with him is when things are going well, he'll fight better and better. You know, when things are going his way, great. Once they're not going his way, uh, it becomes an avalanche for OSP. And that's unfortunate because here's a guy who's so physically gifted. Um, but I just don't know if he has that extra gear that we're talking about, you know, with the champions here. I don't know that Nikita Krylov has it either, but... You know, he definitely is able to dig a little bit deeper. You know, he was in some bad spots against OSP, and he, he was able to work his way out of them. And, yeah, going back to your point about that crank over the chin, you know, a lot of people criticize Conor McGregor for tapping uh, against Khabib in their last fight uh, because the choke wasn't under the chin. Sometimes that could be worse. I mean, that kind of pressure on your chin, that can unhinge your jaw. And... Once you feel that kind of pressure where it feels like your jawbone is going to explode, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that'll make anybody tap. Anybody listening to this, you will tap. Anybody who is a professional fighter and you're feeling Khabib's squeeze like that, you're going to tap too. Uh, 
So if there is any criticism out there against OSP for tapping to this choke, uh, go fuck yourself. I, I haven't heard any of that, though. Um, so not too much stock loss for OSP. I, I feel like he's one of these guys who still has enough of a high re- highlight reel and enough clout to you know kind of get another main card fight here in this light heavyweight division. You know, maybe they put him in there with a Johnny Walker. I don't know. Uh, for Nikita Krylov? No, for OSP. I don't know, dude. I feel like Johnny Walker's been really hot lately. Um, I don't know if OSP wants another loss that quickly. Yeah, but it's uh, OSP's, you know, getting in his upper 30s. Time to mm-hmm. shit or get off the pot, you know? If you can't hang out with these young Tigers, yeah, yeah, maybe you can't hang. Yeah, Kr- Krylov and, and uh, Johnny Walker would be good, too. Uh, so... Uh, take the wheel, Jeff. What do we got next here? All right, Bill. A really good light heavyweight fight that stood out for me because they were about the same size as uh, Jalen Turner here was Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Eric Anders, dude. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Khalil Roundtree, his striking isn't the best. He's more of a grappler. He's more of a one of those really high-level wrestlers. But, Bill, last night he mixed it up, man. He was throwing leg kicks, setting up his leg kicks, throwing the hands really well. He just, he didn't seem stiff. He seemed really loose. And Eric Anders paid for it because his Mm -hmm. leg was about the color of this cup in my hand (laughs) by the end of that fight. I mean, he tenderized that leg. And it was bad, dude. I thought they were going to stop the fight at one point because every time Eric Anders went to the ground after that, it looked like Khalil Roundtree might have to help him up. Yeah. It was It was bad. Um, but yeah, dude, I honestly, for me, I thought Eric Anders was probably going to be the one guy who would definitely win his fight. He's moving up in weight. He's got a little bit of extra power coming into his hands with the extra 20 pounds Mm -hmm. between middleweight and light heavyweight. So I thought it was kind of a foregone conclusion for him, but Khalil Roundtree, dude, you know, I've always kind of like how you view Kelvin Gastelum, that's how I view Khalil Roundtree. He's never really here or there. I'll watch him fight. I don't think he's a bad fighter by any means. Yeah. But he mixed it up last night, and he made Eric Anders look like a chump, for lack of a better word. Yeah. So I don't think the move up to 205 was good for Eric Anders. I don't think it did him well. I know he struggled a little bit. He probably has a big cut to get to 185, but I think he's got to just figure that out and stay there because – uh, Khalil looks so much bigger than him. He was landing some big shots. Those inside leg kicks were brutal. He really did beat the fuck out of Eric Anders' leg. It was so red. And if I've ever seen a 10-7 round in my life, Jeff, it was the second round of this fight where Roundtree knocked him down three times. If this is a boxing fight, they call it. And, uh, man, I, I know you know, the logical side of me says and the, the side of me who has been – Training in martial arts for a long time says that maybe he fell down so easily because his leg was so beat up. But, man, he got dropped hard, and he got dropped from hard punches. At the end of that second round, I think if you're in Eric Anders' corner, you got to call that fight, man. You know, just pack it in. Go out there another day. I wouldn't think any less of him. I wouldn't think any less of his corner. In fact, I would think more of his corner because I know they're looking out for their fighter. Go out there and fight another day, man. Uh, You know, he went out there and he took some unnecessary punishment in that third round. Granted, it slowed down a little bit. He wasn't getting blasted like he was in that second round. But was it really worth it? I mean, he wasn't going to win. Even if he was able to win that round, he would have had to have some kind of miracle knockout of Khalil Roundtree. Uh, which the way he was fighting wasn't going to happen. Now let's talk about the striking of Khalil Roundtree. He's been spending a lot of time in Thailand uh, lately, and you could tell he changed his stance up. You could tell the snap on his kicks. Mm -hmm. You could tell the way he was bouncing. And then when he switched up and went back to more of a traditional Western boxing stance, that's when Eric Andrews was getting inside Mm -hmm. on him. But when he switched back to that more Muay Thai style, uh, it, it worked. You know, would it work in this light heavyweight division against some more, uh, you know, grappling heavy guys? I don't know because that Muay Thai stance, you're standing so straight up, uh, you're light on your feet. It's easier to hit takedowns on guys like that. But we did see him switch back and forth to that boxing stance and, and square up a little bit more, which would be better against a grappler. So I'm excited to see 
the evolution of Khalil Roundtree. You know, he's still a young guy. I don't think he's even 30 yet. Um, so, you know, good for him. As for Eric Anders, I would like to see him definitely take some time off, heal up, and, and get back to 185. Any other thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I agree with you. Anders, he's been in a couple of wars in his last couple of fights. So I think some time off will do him some good. And as for Khalil Roundtree, I love seeing that. That's why I'm such a big fan of Alexander Gustafson. Because after his loss to Phil Davis, he said, you know what, something's not working let me train with you. Let me work on what you're good at so I can add that to my game. So I love that Khalil Roundtree is doing that. And it paid mm-hmm. dividends for him yesterday. And, Bill, someone that I thought was going to have a, a little bit of an easier night was Alan Joban uh-huh. uh, against White Grant. And this was a welterweight bout. And I knew Joban was the underdog going in, but... I feel like he was well-rounded enough where he could have beat Dwight Grant. Yeah. But uh, I think we discussed this yesterday, and it was just a really close fight. I yeah. think that somebody was going to be unhappy with this decision. Oh, yeah. E- either way this one went, somebody was going to be pissed off. So Dwight Grant was landing the bigger shots, but he was backing up a lot more. So to the untrained eye, it looks like Alan Joban is like clearly winning the fight because he's moving forward and... You know, he's he's peppering Dwight Grant and not really doing any damage. But when Dwight Grant landed, he was hurting him. So Dwight Grant, another contender series standout against the much more experienced Alan Joban. And we saw Alan Joban go for a takedown in the first round, like right off the bat. He was trying to take uh, Dwight Grant down, and he couldn't do that. You know, we know Dwight Grant's training with Dan Cormier out at AKA, so... Uh, you know, good luck taking guys coming out of that camp down, you know, when they're wrestling with guys like Khabib and Cormier and Luke Rockhold all the time. Yeah, good luck with that. So very unusual approach from Joe Ban. I feel like he didn't allow himself to get in his regular rhythm. And he was the aggressor. It may have looked like he was landing more shots, but Grant definitely did more damage with the shots he was landing. I can see an argument for Joe Ban winning the fight, but I don't think it was a robbery. Yeah. Um, this is a great notch in the belt for Dwight Grant. I think a lot of lessons to be learned from this experience for both guys and a bright future for Dwight Grant. I, I think he's going to go far in this sport. Uh, I think this was, you, you know, he's able to blast a lot of guys out of there in the first round. He didn't have that experience last night and, um, you know, on to the next. I, I I know a lot of people were pissed off about this decision, but uh, it didn't really rub me the wrong way, to be honest. Yeah, I, I could have seen it going for Joe Ban, but I don't think he got robbed. I think he was more upset than he should have been. Mm-hmm. But moving back down the card, Bill. So co-main event, I guess you could call it for the prelims, was a flyweight fight, which, Bill, I know you weren't too excited about. But this <laughs> ended up being a pretty solid scrap between Alexander Pantoja and Wilson Hayes. So um, two Brazilians... Um, very different styles. Wilson Hayes, a jiu-jitsu black belt, but Alexander Pantoja went in there, did not even respect that, and just kind of beat the shit out of Wilson Hayes. Yeah. Put him down quick, and then just started throwing down the hammer fists, and the ref pulled him off pretty quick. Yeah, so Pantoja is one of these guys that, you, phenomenal fighter, but you'll probably never hear much about him because he's a flyweight wilson hayes probably shouldn't be a flyweight and i know he cuts a lot of weight we keep hearing about his jujitsu he gets submitted last night he gets submitted by a white belt in demetrius mighty mouse johnson who you know obviously his grappling is not white belt caliber but he's technically he was technically a white belt in jujitsu at the time when he you know hit wilson hayes with that arm bar but the way he was able to do it was by grinding on him wearing him out and and sucking the gas out of him because he carries so much muscle at 125 pounds you know it's hard to have any endurance so you you could be the best jujitsu guy on the planet but if you're exhausted you, you know you're gonna tap out when you're put in a precarious situation and that's what continues to happen with wilson hayes i would like to see wilson hayes move up to bantamweight pantoa yeah he, he might be the best flyweight uh, that we have right now. Um, so maybe Joseph Benavidez is next for him. Yeah, but the best flyweight we have right now, Bill, is fighting for the Bantamweight Championship. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I, I don't really even consider him a flyweight anymore. I think he's leaving that division in the dust. He said he didn't want to make that cut anymore. Now he's getting a title shot at Bantamweight. I think win or lose, we see Henry Cejudo stay at 135 pounds. Uh, that's my prediction. Uh, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't have much more to say about it because the guys who were fighting in the fight didn't have much to say about it, as we saw from the press conference the other day. I mean, Marlon Marais is sitting there in his dad's suit, and, <laughs> and Henry Cejudo has the most cringeworthy smack talk ever. And he's like, who's next? Who's next? I, I don't have a know. gold medal. Yeah. The, I, I mean, he's really... So much respect for Henry Cejudo as an athlete and a competitor. I mean, Olympic gold medalist in wrestling and uh, UFC flyweight champion. Uh, he's he's done something nobody's ever been able to do before. I mean, win a gold medal, win a UFC championship. But somebody teach this guy how to fucking speak. I mean, he's like he he ends up putting his foot in his mouth so much, and. It, his trash talk is so weird and then trash talking with Marlon Marais who who doesn't really know how the banter <laughs> works uh, it's awkward man I, I wish they wouldn't do these big press conferences like not everybody is built for these things like Ben yeah. Askren is built for this Chael Sonnen is built for this Conor McGregor is built for this when they put Khabib in the press conference with Conor it was so awkward he doesn't want to do it don't make him do it you yeah. know yeah, you know when you have the right vibe, you know, put press conference together with with guys who can handle the banter and who can who can handle that kind of shit talk, you know? Um I, I went off on a tangent here. Let's get back to the fights and, and yeah, try to wrap this thing up because we got some work to do too. Yeah. Um, all right. So Bill, the, there are two more fights I want to cover uh for the prelims because I didn't really get to watch the early prelims I was eating. But um <laughs> Because your wife made some very good chicken tacos. So, um, well, don't forget about the pulled pork. Oh, yeah, the pulled pork was great, too. Give me some props. There was, there was a nice sweetness to it. <laughs> the apple juice. a nice sweetness to the Stag Jr., too. I want to pour another one, but I might not be able to finish this yard work. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, Max Griffin um, <clears throat> versus Zalim Imadiev. I'm probably butchering his name, and I apologize. Yeah, but, but um, that's you know your mo, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get names right, but I can I can watch fights. So. <laughs> but um, dude, speaking of Max Griffin, I just I don't remember his fight before this, but I remember being entertained by it, and I remember thinking I want to watch this guy fight again. Uh-huh. So last night put on a really good performance against Zalim, who is um, I, he he's Russian. I don't know if he's out of Khabib's camp. Because um, I know Khabib's getting a really big MMA camp. Uh, he's got that going over in uh, Russia. But uh, Max Griffin outgrappled him, outstruck him. Just looked like... It, it looked. It wasn't easy for him, but it looked like he was dominant everywhere in that fight. So I really want to see this guy work his way up the ranks. Uh, Max Griffin, super entertaining. Um, he was just able to mix it up really well last night. Yeah, um... I'm with you on a lot of your points, but I feel like Max Griffin is forgettable. You know, he he had a win over a similar brawler in Mike Perry uh, where he beat him with straight punches and footwork, and he's great at that. He's good at, you know, boxing the brawlers. So Imadeev, who, you know, is blasting guys, I think he's – 8-0 with seven first-round knockouts, something like that. Uh, I might be pulling that statistic out of my ass, but that's that's fine. I've had a lot of bourbon. Um, Max Griffin is great at dealing with guys like this. Straight punches, footwork. Uh, he got hit with some big shots by Imadeev. Um, so the guy's got power. He can definitely crack. I don't know if he can crack with elite guys, guys who can slow him down with grappling, guys who can slow him down with straight punches and footwork. So... Um, other than that, uh, not much of a thought on these two. You know, when they're going to fight again, they're going to fight again. But I, I can't say that I'm going to be, you know, chomping at the bit for these two to get back in there. Uh, you know, when they do it, they do it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's whatever. Um, but hopefully, you know, Max Raven gets entertaining. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, the <laughs> last fight I want to touch on, Bill, because <clears throat> I don't care about Bilal Muhammad versus Curtis Melender. Um, <laughs> was this dude Khalid Taha versus Boston Salmon? Now you've probably never heard of either of these guys, <laughs> but I want to address this fight because the referee botched it so bad. Bill, um, Khalid Taha hit Boston Salmon hard early, then he starts swarming him with punches, but Boston Salmon was covering up. It looked like he wasn't in too much danger, and the ref stopped the fight. 
And I knew it was a bad stoppage because mm-hmm. Boston Salmon, like, got up trying to grapple the ref. Yeah. Um, I just, I think he, he, maybe the ref was a little nervous. I don't know if, you know, he's, I mean, how many UFCs have been in Atlanta at this point? Uh, not a lot. I know that that was one of the first places they went back in the day, back in the Chuck Liddell days when they couldn't really find anywhere else to sanction it. Um, I'm with you on this one, Jeff. I, I, I don't think it was a good stoppage. I think it was a poor job by the ref. But to play devil's advocate, Boston Salmon did start falling face first towards the mat. It looked like he was off balance. Mm. But, I mean, if you're at the right angle, it looks like he's falling face first. Um, I, I think he still had his bearings enough for the ref to let it continue a little bit more. I think if it was a more experienced ref like a Herb Dean who is not – present on this card uh, because the Atlanta Athletic Commission didn't call him for it and if it were more experienced fighters you let it go on but I guess when it's less experienced fighters you 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 know err on the side of caution and uh, and stop the fight early and uh, I don't know I just feel it I'm falling (laughs) I'm falling flat here Jeff like I have I have a point I want to make and then I just I just don't care because the co-main event and the main event, I'm still stuck on those two fights. They yeah. were they were both so incredible, and now we're both being distracted by my daughter outside the window, who's who's ruining our turf job, Bill. <laughs> She's walking all over those pallets. We took all morning to lay down. So much blood, sweat, and tears, and beer. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, Bill, before we go, I just want to thank. Um, Gracie Clearwater, sorry, I blanked on the name. I'm a little drunk, but um, <laughs> I just want to thank Gracie Clearwater for hosting their open mat yesterday. Thank you for Matt, Tom, uh, for rolling with me. Thank you, Bill, for teaching me a couple of lessons, and a very happy birthday to Stacy, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday um, to you. So uh, hopefully, I can jump on the mats again a couple more times before I head out. Um, so, Bill, thank you for hosting me, and. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, um, hopefully you enjoyed the cards. Hopefully you've enjoyed our drunken banter here. And have a good Sunday, everybody. Yeah, man. It was a, it's was it been a pleasure, as always, having you here in my home, in my gym, in my backyard, <laughs> watching the fights and helping me lay down turf. I appreciate the uh, the free labor, Jeff. All I've had to do is, is booze you up the last couple of days. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting a few more rolls in with you before you head out. So it's been great having you here live and in person. We don't have to do this over YouTube, which saves me a few editing minutes, too. Guys, reach out to us on social media, will you? We love hearing from you guys. Uh, let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there. If you want to reach Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. You guys know how to get a hold of me, so fucking do it, will you? It's at MMA on the Rocks. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send me an email. Go to our website, MMAontherocks.com. Read the articles I write. Or don't. Just share them with people who do read articles. Either way... We'll talk to you guys next time. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah, all that. (laughs) Do it all. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.